One verse. Here it is. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe seated. Well, before I, before I jump into that, let me let's pray and ask for God's God's help. <clears throat> Father, we we come to you now and we open your word to hear from from you. So, Lord, would you speak? We open our hearts in ways that we couldn't do on our own. The Spirit speaks to us now. We ask. Well, in the 1950s, a, a study began in Rosetta, Pennsylvania, to understand something. That the people in Rosetta, Pennsylvania, were dying, but only of old age. And when you compared them to their surrounding neighborhoods, the surrounding communities right next to them, they were living far longer, far healthier, um, and, and researchers wanted to understand why. What? Why do these people live and these people die? And so they went in with certain assumptions. What is a diet? Um, and it clearly wasn't diet. The people from Rosetta, Pennsylvania, were from Italy, and so they ate an Italian diet. They ate tons of pasta, <coughs> tons of wine. So it was not a healthy diet. That was not the answer. So they wondered, okay, well, they make like healthier life choices. Like they don't smoke as much. No, they smoke big old fat cigars all the time. So they should be having heart attacks. They should be dying, and they weren't. And so researchers, as they, they began to study this, what they found was the reason why, when you looked at neighborhoods just a couple miles away from Rosetta, the reason people in Rosetta were living longer was their community and family ties. That they were all surrounded by their people, and because of that, they, they lived longer. And that, oh, that's all in uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outlier. It's a fascinating story. But really, it's, a, it's an indication of what Proverbs says is true, is that the quality of your life is going to be determined by the quality of people you surround yourself with. And so for the last two weeks and the next four, we're in a series of Proverbs, just thinking about how do you navigate this life, how do you live, live a wise, wise life? And a key theme throughout Proverbs is oh, you're going to have to navigate people if you're going to navigate this life. Right? The world is really just two things. It's the weather and it's people. And that's it. And if you can't navigate people, um, you're going to have a hard time navigating this life. And so we begin to think, okay, well, who do you listen to? What's the community around you? What's the group of people around you? Are you surrounded by the right people? And more importantly, like, how do you know if you're surrounded by the right people? So this morning, we're going to let Proverbs answer, answer that question for us. It's a little bit different. Like, typically how we like to do things, we take one text of Scripture and we preach it, and we kind of stay one there. But now as we move into Proverbs, like, Proverbs is really a bunch of collected sayings, which, which kind of take themes throughout 30 chapters. So really what we're going to do now is kind of take those themes and look at those themes throughout those 30 chapters. And so rather than kind of look at one text, we're going to kind of be grabbing Proverbs um, from here and there that have this theme of, of people. And in Proverbs, when the Proverbs thinks about people, it tends to categorize two ways. Either you're a fool, you're wise, or you're, you're a scoffer, you're evil. So this morning, three points, kind of taking all of Proverbs and then they think about people. Three points, uh, you want to keep the fool outside, invite the wise inside, and make your home with the wisest person. All right, so first, keep the fool outside. 
And listen, I hope you're gonna have to get a little bit like residents, residents as you hear that, like, gosh, we put people in boxes, we categorize them, we're labeling them, that sounds terrible. And it is, um, for the most part. Uh, but, but Henry Cloud, who, he's the author, um, and, and I'll talk about him a couple times this morning, but he, in introducing these ideas from Proverbs, he says uh, what was important to remember is, is first of all, we have we all have characteristics of all three of these things. We're all, uh, we all play the fool sometimes. We all have a little bit of evil in us. We believe the Bible, we're sinners. And hopefully we all have a little bit of wisdom. What Henry Cloud says is the point is not labeling people, but the point is we all make a career out of one of those things. And we want to make a career out of out of wisdom. And Proverbs says, if you're going to be, if you're going to make a career out of being a fool, it looks a certain it looks a certain way. And so I want to reflect on that. Three things. If you're going to first of all, as we process through what a fool is, like we want to do this with a mirror. I think it would be easy for us to sort of think, oh, that person in my life does that. That's a fool, and that person does it. That's and that's not exactly. I mean, we we want to do that a little bit this morning, but also we want to have the mirror. Like, well, how do I play the fool? How do I act like a fool? Um, so sort of as we think through the people in our life, we also have a mirror. Right? So it's, it's both ends. So first, the fool. Uh, you want to know who the fool is. The fool is, is first, is always reacting and never reflecting. So Proverbs 12, 16, uh, the message translation says it like this. The fools have short fuses and explode all too quickly. The prudent quietly shrugs off. And so the fool is always reacting. When they are insulted, they must insult back. Right? There, there, there's nothing that you can say to them. They can't just like let it roll off their shoulders. It means you have to walk around eggshells on them. If you say the wrong word, the wrong thing, immediately the worst possible interpretation is floated in, and there is a fight on your hands. There's a reason for this, right? There's a reaction instead of a reflecting. Instead of hearing something and taking in, like, what's the best possible interpretation of that? It says, how can, how can I get angry now? Right? Always returning insult for insult. Or Proverbs 17, 12 says this. This is better to meet a grizzly robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on a fog. Mm. In other words, like, you'd rather get between a grizzly, cub, a grizzly bear and her, and her cubs than to hang out with a fool who's always getting angry. So I don't know if you've ever seen a grizzly bear before. Um, I, I, I saw a grizzly bear one time with her cubs. It was like 40 yards away. It was at Glacier National Park. Uh, it's actually maybe a little further than that. And there were like 50 other people lying along the roads, all seeing the cub, the mom with the cubs. And I was entirely uncomfortable with this. Because I could see, even from 50 yards out, like you could see that bear. I could get in my car and drive as fast as I could away. And I think she could still run me down and take care of me if she wanted to. Like these things are, they are powerful. They're fast. They're intimidating, and yet the Proverbs would say, you'd rather deal with that than a fool in their hand. And so if you think about, about your life, who do you know, again, look in the mirror, who do you know that's like that? Right? Who, whenever they get insulted, insulted, are always insulting other people? Maybe on Twitter, maybe not. Right? Who, who's just always angry? It's always just beneath the surface. It's always there. The moment you scratch, it comes out. So fool, the fool is always reacting, never reflecting. Secondly, uh, the fool is always expressing and never empathizing. Proverbs 29, 11 said this in the message translation. A fool lets it all hang out. A sage quietly mulls it over. I was, uh, I was sitting down with a mentor recently, and 
And I was just kind of laying out some of the challenges I have, some of the questions I'm asking, some of the things I'm wrestling through. And, and also, like, you know, when people ask me questions, thinking through like that, and one of the things he said to me that was, it was such simple advice. And I've never considered this. Just um, think about me. But uh, he said, you know, Tim, like, it's okay at times when someone asks you a question just to say, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that. I need to, I need to maybe talk to some people about that. And instead, what I tend to do, maybe you tend to do this, instead what I do is like, well, let me, I'm going to start, I don't know the answer to your question, but I'm going to start talking, and then I'm going to find an answer at some point as I'm talking to you. Right? And so at some point, I'll get to something that sounds really good, and whether it answers your question in any way or not, that's irrelevant. Hey, we, we did it. Like, we answered the question. And the thought, like the freedom is to say, you know, I don't know. When we're out of many, all of us in here, there's a lot of things we don't know, and probably most of the questions we get asked on a day to day basis, we actually don't know the answer to. And how often do you say, how often do we say that? You know, I don't know. Let's think about that today. Let's mull that over. Instead of just letting it all hang out at all times, let's think. And, and right, we live in a we live in a culture where we let it all hang out all the time. Right? You can't go anywhere now without hearing an opinion about something or someone's full, unfiltered view of life. And Proverbs is saying, people who do that are fools because, I mean, one is oftentimes we don't know what we're talking about. We speak as if we do. Um, but two is that a wise person thinks and listens and empathizes. The fool's always spouting out opinions, always has it figured out. Which means they don't have to stop, so they don't have to listen. They don't have to take in other perspectives or other people. And I think, and we're going to talk more about this later, but I think in, in our age in particular, with social media as it is, it's like, it actually is rewarding to be a fool. It's rewarding to be the most, the most offended or the most angry or to speak the most unkind of those who are different. You're rewarded for that. You get money for that. You get following. You get, you get, you get people listening to you if you do that. Congress is the obvious. You've got to get away from this you let, let it all hang out. We never say, I don't know. We don't pull it over. We don't say, we get away from you more. So the fool is always reacting, never reflecting, always expressing, never empathizing. And third, the fool is always fighting and never forgiving. Uh, Proverbs 18.6 is this. Says, the words of a fool starts fights. Do him a favor and gag To get the message translation, redirect. And with a fool, like a foolish person, there's just never any peace. I used to sit down and say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. And they'll say, yeah, you're right. I mean, so, and did you know you did this too? Let's talk about But now that this is done, now let's talk about, let's talk about this. Like, there's no peace. There's no grace. If you show any vulnerability towards it, it doesn't matter. It's just it's completely written off. <clears throat> the fight has to keep going. And the problem says that if. If it wants to keep fighting, just leave the fight. Go away. So the fool, uh, the fool's always reacting, he's always expressing, always fighting. So what does all that mean, right? What's, what's all relevant about it? And, and Proverbs is very clear about this. The message of Proverbs throughout uh, Proverbs to the fool is this. Um, Proverbs 14, 7. Leave the presence of a fool. For there you do not meet words of, of knowledge. And that, create, that introduces attention. Which is like you can't just you can't just like leave everybody in your life that's frustrating to you. Like that's not that's not it's impossible. So what does it mean to leave the presence of a fool? And that's I'm I'm using that like 
when you think about, if you think about your life as a metaphor of a house, the fool can like be on your property but can't come in the door. So, so think about this. Uh, many of you who are Chiefs fans, you I think you're about to enter into a season of life that I uh, lived through as a Colts fan, which is a lot of dominance because of a very good quarterback. Uh, so maybe a little early on the homes, but it looks, looks pretty good right now, right? And so as a Colts like fan growing up, so you want you just want. It's like Sunday morning, I would get our uh, you know Sunday afternoon watch the game. You watch the first half, you fall asleep in the third quarter, and you wake up in the fourth quarter of the game. So that's typically how it happens. Colts were just that good. And so, but there's one year Peyton Manning was hurt uh, before the season, and so the Colts' opening game was against the Bears, and the Colts were losing and not doing well. And, and because I was pastoring the game at the time, so I invited those people over to my house. We were watching the game together, and there was a kid in the youth group who was not a Bears fan, but decided since the Colts were losing that night, he was going to be a Bears fan and just be a, a pain through the entire game. And he was. He was annoying. You know? And I told him, I was like, listen, if you don't stop, like I'm going to put you in my front yard. And you're going to leave. And there's a big picture window. You can keep watching the game from my front yard. But that's what's, if you don't stop, that's going to happen. And he did not stop. So a few adults helped me. We put a chair in the front yard. We opened the curtains to the big picture window. And we placed him in the, in the chair in the front yard. And he watched the game through the picture window. And that was a brilliant idea. Um, and it, we were joking, uh, kind of. Uh, but... But that, like, that's what you do. Here. It's like you're there. They're, like, they're, you can wave at them. Like they relate. There's to some extent relationship. But there's a limitation, right? You're, you can't cut. You're, we're not going to eat dinner today. I'm not going to share my heart with you over our dinner table. I'm not going to sit down on the couch and open up to them. You get to you get to watch my life from the window. And listen, this is really complicated practically, and I want to be really careful about. Uh, you know, I think I think navigating these sorts of complexities. One is you need a lot more than what a Sunday morning sermon did. There's people in your life who are like, how do I handle it? You need, I think you need professional counseling for these type of questions. Um, so I want to be very cautious here, and I'm just giving you very general advice from a book called uh, Boundaries by Henry Cloud. When it comes to the fool, three things. I'm dealing with them. Uh, one is, is probably uh, you need to stop reasoning. And, and I think a lot of times there are people we try to get, you know, we have multiple heart-to-heart conversations with, we open up to, we talk to, we get vulnerable with, and over and over again, there's no response, there's no reciprocation. And I think the, I think a part of the problem says, you know, leave the presence of the fool. I think part of what they're saying is, you know, the, the foolish person is not someone you can have, like, like vulnerable conversations with, over the dinner table, or over, the, you know, with one another. So one, I mean, you know, there, there probably needs to be some boundaries, uh, boundaries there, no more reason. Secondly, uh, you need to make, with the fool, make consequences clear. Right? If you keep making fun of the Colts, you will watch the rest of the game from my front door. Right? If, if, then, then. And, and, and so there, there, if, if you're going to bring this thing up that I asked you not to bring up, then I'm, I'm not going to stay. Or if, if this happens, then that, and again, this is why counseling is, is I think, really helpful for these things. But with a foolish person, consequences need to be, need to be clear. And thirdly, and most importantly, uh, and this is the most important one, is keep your enemy. There's a really wise uh, theologian from the 1980s. Uh, his name was Mr. T. And he said, I pity <laughs> Tim Seeley. I said, if you want to talk about Mr. T, so there it was. Um, it's good, but, but it works, right? It's, there's this sense, like, people in Proverbs, a foolish person is not someone who's foolish physical or intellectual uh, limitation. They've chosen that path, and because they've chosen that path, there are reasons they have chosen that path. And Henry Cloud talks about this. Um, 
They could have chosen that path out of, out of guilt, right, or shame, or fear. Like, there's reasons for that. And so never, even as you're dealing with people who are really frustrating, um, like we all give ourselves lots of grace when we make mistakes, we should have lots of empathy and grace for the people who are not frustrating to us. And I'll talk more about that in point three, but for now, that's keep the pool outside, right? There has to be a limitation. Um, we're not going to talk a lot about this, but there is a third category of person uh, of people in the problem, which is uh, the scoffer or the evil person. And those people, you do like you just get away from, right? Like you, that people who want to actively destroy, destroy, destroy you, you get away from. Like they don't, they don't get to sit in the front yard. Like you call the police, you get them out. You run away. And so someone like this would be uh, someone like Ursula, the Little Mermaid. So uh, my kids are in the Little Mermaid. They, you know, her song is "Poor Unfortunate Souls." I really want to sing. <laughs> right, but she like she just she wants to destroy people, and there are people in this world who want to destroy them, and they don't care if they destroy things. They don't care if they hurt people. They don't care if they anger people. They do not care, and those are people you get away from. But we're not going to spend a lot of time um, on, on on them. The fool. So there's some pity there, right? Keep the fool outside. Secondly, uh, invite the wise inside. And so similarly. You can give three characteristics of a fool, and I'm going to give three characteristics of a wise person, the sort of person you should let into your life as we think about the problems. And the first is the wise person's goodness has deep roots. Um, so, so think about it like this. That, uh, Psalm 1 is a really good imagery. And Psalm, Psalm 1 is actually it's, it's a proverb. It's a wisdom saying. So it could have just as easily been a really good proverb as Psalms. Um, but in, in Psalm 1, it's clear the wicked, it's like chaff, and... When life happens to them, they're blown all over the place because they have no roots. But a righteous person, a good person, a wise person, uh, it's like a tree planted by streams of water, which means their roots go down into where the stream is. And so if you see the tree up top, and, and you get down below, there's these deep roots that the more you dig up, the more is there. So the people in your life, when you sit down with them, and the more you talk to them, the more is there. Right? They, they, just, they see things that you don't see. They understand things. And, and what maybe at the surface level may not feel like very much. But the more you talk to them, the more, oh God, why do you listen to them? Whereas there are other people who are really impressive, right? They're really tall, and they're weeds like this, right? They grow up really fast, but they're rich, and they right out. The other people you sit down with, they look very righteous. They look like they have it together. And then you, you sit down with them, and you oh, there's nothing there. The wise, the more you talk to them, the more you find, the more you see, the more that's there. So the wise person's goodness has deep roots. Secondly, the wise person lives at peace. And I mean something in particular by this, which is uh, the theme of contentedness is really uh, prominent in Proverbs. In Proverbs 23, 4, says this. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. And I think this is especially important in our culture because uh, our culture is really built on wealth accumulation, appearance accumulation. The Proverbs is saying the person who's like free from all that is, is wise. And if you if you see someone like that, and listen, that this isn't saying wealth is inherently bad. This is just saying uh, someone who just doesn't care about uh, wealth appearance um, is that's a wise person. And you should you should know that you should spend time with someone who's just their peace, whatever they have, whatever they own, it's relevant. That's not what life is built on. It's a wise person. And thirdly, and most importantly, the wise person matches 
kindness with truth. Right? Deeply empathetic and caring, and yet will tell you what is true. Right? They'll rip your heart out, and they'll give it back. And I would like, especially, uh, and this, will, this is the last sermon in the series. I don't want to go into this too, too much, but um, a wise person just craves instruction, craves, <coughs> craves teaching. Um, and so when you find someone who both will teach you like, the truth, uh, and will pay the cost uh, that comes with telling you the truth, but will also say, you know, I just told you this really hard thing about you, or I just told you this really difficult thing, but I just want you to know, like, I'm going to... I'm with you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to support you through this. The whole, the whole thing. Like you're, a, you know, you're a train wreck when it comes to X, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you. Those, those people are cool. who will tell you the truth, indeed, they're in kindness with you. So, what's the point, right? The fool, the fool reacts, never forgives. He's always expressing. He's always angry. The wise person, their goodness runs deep. Um, they, uh, they, they are content with, with what they have in life, and they're, they're truthfully kind. So what's the, what's, what's the point of all this? Because none of this, I, not, I'm guessing none of you are like, I've never heard this before, this is brand new. This is all obvious stuff. And so what's the point? And the point is, uh, is this question of, okay, now, who, who have you let into your house to, to speak to you, and to be your counsel, and to give you advice, to, to, to live with you? Who got in the house? And are there some fools in there who are your your close to you? Maybe you, you shouldn't be, or are there wise people around you? Who is it in your life? And that's that's really what the question of this morning is about. And what I want to what I want to say is it's I think it's especially difficult in our cultural day and age to have a council of wise people living with us for two reasons. There's two reasons why wisdom is difficult for us. One is uh, we. Uh, is they run. It's isolation and escalation. Two cultural problems you and I live, live with every day that make surrounding ourselves with wise people difficult. So first, isolation. Since the 1980s, the number of Americans who describe themselves as, uh, as lonely has doubled from 20% of the population in 1980 to 40% of the population today. That's a, that is stunning. So go, what happened? What changed? And I think the singer-songwriter, uh, Father John Misty, has the best answer to this. It's in his song, Oculus Rift. And it goes like this. Here are the lyrics of that song. Can you believe how far we've come in the new age? Freedom to have what you want in the new age will, be, will all be entertained. When the historians find us, we'll be in our homes, plugged into our hugs, skin and bones, a frozen smile on every face. As the stories replay, this must have been a wonderful place. So what he's doing there is he's, he's critiquing uh, this increasingly isolated culture we have where we, we have withdrawn from community engagement into like self-engagement where we spend our time uh, doing what we want to do. Whether that's uh, the endless shows we can watch, whether that's the endless social media we can engage. Basically, we withdraw from the community into our own homes. And now we can build our own lives around self-entertainment, around our desires, around our own fulfillment, and we end up alone, plugged into our hubs. And here's the thing, to have a wise community around you, it's really hard to find. Wisdom is really hard. Wise people are really hard to find. It takes time. It takes time outside of your home with, with people. And if, if we are willing to look, we're, we're willing to not settle to the rhythms of fools, 
the self-entertainment. We can find wisdom. We can find the wise people. There are a lot of wise people in this room right now. And yet, so much of our of our time structure is structured into what Father John Misty calls the Oculus Rift. The self-entertainment, the self-feeding, the self-filling. And not done in community with other people. Right, we build our time structures around fulfilling ourselves, fulfilling our families, fulfilling our kids, and we lose this community sense where other people can actually know us and speak into our lives in meaningful ways. So I think one reason why having a wise community of people around us is difficult is because we're isolated. Right? We're, we're alone a lot of times. Even when we're with other people, we're alone. So isolation is a big deal. The second is escalation. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna go right for it because I, I think I think social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, or as as Bill Belichick, the host or the coach of the New York Patriots, once wisely put it, uh, he called them Twitface. So I don't like Bill Belichick at all, but that like that was brilliant. Because uh, I think Twitface is a good summary of our social media world. Uh, and yeah, I would say like, social media is simultaneously an amazing thing and like straight from the pit at the same time. Um, and so I'm going to praise it before I'm going to critique it. And that is like yesterday, uh, my family had an amazing experience where Isaiah got to be the honorary captain of K-State uh, football. There's a picture. Um, so Saturday, the last Saturday in September every year, is this thing called Coach Secure and Me. And so college uh, universities throughout uh, the country uh, do this to waste money, uh, raise money and awareness for muscular dystrophy. So it was an amazing day. Uh, and like it would not have been possible without social media at all. And like we got to experience that day as a family with lots of other people who were there with us, uh, talking and, and commenting and joining with us. It was like no one would have seen this picture without social media. So that now I'll take it off because now we're gonna say some hard things. <laughs> uh, social media is is the place of the fool. Now, what other place? Uh, there's no other better place to go to watch people react and never reflect. To watch people express and never empathize. And to watch people fight and never forgive. And let me be straight, like there are wise people on social media that are worth following. But social media is mostly escalators. And not the fun kind of escalators. You get on with the kids and you ride up, right? The bad kind of escalators. We just want to keep the fight going. Whatever the fight is, we just we gotta keep it going. And and as I said a moment ago, like so, like actually the fight is rewarded in our culture. And so I, I think all of us need to take a, like a, a thorough investigation of who is it that we follow on Facebook? Who are we letting? Who are we inviting? Who are we listening to? People who are always reacting, always fighting, always denouncing. I'm not saying there's not things we're fighting about. There are. Um, and yet, uh, yes. Social media is a place of very little empathy, very little goodness at times, understanding, listening. So I think we all need to think about how has that presence infiltrated or, or entered into our life as a discounter? Who are you listening to? Who are you following? Who gets your ear? So invite the wise inside, keep the fool outside. Thirdly, make your home with the wisest person inside. There's a tension in this whole sermon, which is. You know, the gospel says, like, we are all fools, and Jesus welcomed us. So how, what does this look like? Right, because I think the, the place I want to go is, is uh, there's a place in Luke where I think, like, the quintessential fool is there. His name was Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus uh, oppressed the poor and was obsessed with guilt or with uh, riches. That's both things that uh, the, the proverb says the fool does and the wise does not do. But he oppressed the poor and he didn't care about the poor and he was um, he was obsessed with wealth. Secondly, I think it, it, it was pretty clear that he like was a brash person who was always talking because. Uh, we're told he climbed the tree, which is like, as an adult, like, that's, a, that's an embarrassing thing to do. Like, you only do, you don't, like, climb a tree as an adult if you have very low social awareness. Right? Like, you just do whatever you want. So he climbed the tree, so he's probably a bright person who said um, whatever he wanted. And, and so here's a fool in a tree, and Jesus is coming along. And Jesus says, as the song, the song says, Jesus comes along and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. Going to your house today. And Jesus finds the fool and doesn't say, I gotta get away. He says, Come down, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come to the I'm gonna come and eat at your table. I'm gonna go and invite myself in. And so there's there's this tension we have in the church where on the one hand we are all foolish people who are undeserving of God's grace. On the other hand, we have people in our lives who probably we have to limit their influence. And so I actually, I want to end probably not being particularly helpful as we think through this. Uh, because the thing I think I care most about the church is that, and I think actually this is probably, the, the church is the last place where this can happen. Is the church is a place where we are like Jesus. And we, even when we encounter a fool, we still confer dignity to them. We still, we still call them by name. Zacchaeus, you come down, right? Not just, hey, you fool, I guess I'm going to say, no, Zacchaeus. We confer dignity, we give names. I thought a lot about this. I'm reading uh, a favorite author, Eugene Peterson. He has a book where uh, he reflects on his, his life as a pastor. And he says this about what the church is supposed to be. It says, a congregation is composed of people who, upon entering a church, leave behind what people on the streets name or call them. A church must never be a place where a person is labeled. It can never be a place where gossip is perpetuated. Before anything else, it is a place where a person is named and greeted, whether implicitly or explicitly, in Jesus' name. A place where dignity is conferred. And so I know, like, I just totally probably undid my entire sermon with that quote. I don't know how to live in that. Like, on the one hand, there are people in your life that probably need to like have limited influence. Some of them are obvious, they're on Twitter, they're like, just get rid of them. That one's easy. But there are other people that it's, it's harder. And I don't I can't help you beyond say uh, live into that teaching of Jesus. Make your home with him. Listen to him, engage in him, follow him, and never forget he the wise invited you, me, the fool into his life, into his home, to his table. And Jesus said, he said, like, if you're going to follow me, you have to be innocent as a dove and wise as a servant. And that, we are called to that. And to navigate people, that's, that's my one encouragement to you. And yet, in all of doing that, the church is the one place that there are no labels. Everyone is greeted by name in Jesus' name. Where dignity is conferred. Because that is what he has done with he has come to us, found us in our trees as fools, fools, and he can for dignity and name to us. And as a community, we are to do the same to our, to our world. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you that you, <laughs> you saw me as a fool, and you called me by name, and you, you said, let's listen. And so, Lord, now as we, as we navigate, God, the ways we are fools ourselves, the ways we try to be wise, and also the people around us, how we need to surround ourselves with the right people, help us to live in an attention to grace and discernment, truth and kindness. But above all, Lord, for that to happen, we need to know you. So as we sing, as we pray, as we reflect on God, we open our hearts to know you, we ask in Jesus' name.